Hello, and welcome back to Searching Inward, a podcast brought to you by Restore Small Groups here in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, we are so excited to have you joining us from wherever you're listening. Um, it's always an honor and a privilege to meet you here. And today, we want to talk about the key to habit change. How many times have you and I, and Scott and Anna too, vowed to break a bad habit but haven't? How many times have diets have we tried over the years to start them but haven't finished them? How many New Year's resolutions have we made and broken them? How many times have we said no to something detrimental to our soul only to end up, what, doing it again and again? How many gyms have we joined in the last 10 years? Every self-improvement program must discuss habits and habit formation because willpower alone never works and research proves it but here's the truth about what we all believe most of us believe that a lack of individual willpower is the biggest barrier is willpower the problem that's what we're going to ask scott and anna today i think we have to look at the context as being such an important part context for me are the circumstances that kind of surround me that trigger me that's kind of like from stimulus to response and in a lot of times in our groups i use bradshaw's process that uh, we get triggered, which would be, to me, the context. And then that leads to the obsession. The obsession leads to ritual, and the ritual leads to the compulsion. And so the compulsion is the habit. But it all begins with how I am responding to certain circumstances, which is the context. So when I get triggered, I'm on this path. And so the beginning of so willpower is just not focusing on how I'm responding, but I got to go all the way back up there to what is the context of what what is going on in my circumstances that triggers me on this path. Anna, you, we, uh, one of the habits we talk about. What are habits? We're talking about context here. What does context mean for you? Right. So context would be like the circumstances that we find ourselves in, where we. Uh, maybe have some kind of habitual response that we are likely unconscious of. So I think that is uh, the key. Mm-hmm. Like willpower is a very conscious effort, right? And so much of our habitual our habitual responses are unconscious. They're they're driven by like this happens and we're in this certain context, and so therefore, so like an example might be like you know when you go to the movies. The context generally means for most people, they're going to go get some popcorn, right? You don't even think about it. You go to the movies and you're eating popcorn. So that context um, is conducive to that habit of eating popcorn, right? It's a kind of an unconditioned response. Well, that's like a silly thing, but so much of our behaviors are um, conditioned unconsciously. And so until we can move some of those uh, contexts from... Um, unconscious to conscious, then we're going to keep repeating the same cycle. So again, self-awareness is going to be the place that we want to get started with that in order to really understand our context and like, okay, when I am behaving in a certain way that I don't like, or there, I have this, uh, conditioned response that I'm not even thinking about, like, what is it? Like Scott said, what is it that's triggering that? And how can I like, become aware of that so that I can have a different response. Yeah, because, you know, the context is is the most important part because that's what's stimulating me to make this habitual response. 
And so if I'm focusing, that's when I say, when we hear this you know, willpower, well, that means I'm going to try and stop this behavior, this dysfunctional response. When what I need to look at is how can I transform the context? Mm-hmm. That's because that's the beginning of the sequence that Bradshaw shows. Remember, we get triggered. That's the stimulus. That leaves me obsessing about my habitual response. I can smell it. I can taste it. And then I, the ritual is I move towards it, and then the end I end up at the compulsion. I do it. And so if we can change, trans, transformation begins at the beginning. I'm not focusing on the problem. I'm focusing on the solution. The solution is, is growing into a new, a new context, actually, which is, again, paradigm. I'm believing and I'm seeing things differently. That way I'm not obsessing about my response. I'm, try, I don't want, I'm not focusing on not doing this, not doing this, not doing this, but I'm focusing on I'm becoming this. Mm-hmm. And this person doesn't need this anymore. Mm-hmm. And, and I, So I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, that does make sense, Scott, that uh, as you quoted Covey in your book here, proactive people are still influenced by external stimuli, whether physical, social, or psychological. But their response to the stimuli is conscious or unconscious is a value-based choice or response. So I think what I'm hearing you say is that we can influence our context by value-based choices. Right. And that's where the awareness comes in like what are what are we valuing what are we working towards who are we becoming and are my responses lining up with those values um if they are not then we want to we want to focus on the solution of how can i make my values and my actions align um again working towards the solution instead of the problem um i think so many people like you know come january they want to they want to start a fitness regimen, right? That's everybody's new year's resolution. And, you know, we know like studies have shown historically that by February, March, people have just given up on that. Um, and I think so much of that is they're like unhappy with themselves. They're the problem is they're overweight or they're out of shape or they're not, um, satisfied with the body that they're living in. So they're trying to change that because they're looking at the problem, right? The problem is them. But if they came at it from a more values driven, um, position where like, I want to become healthy. I want to live a long life. I want to like be the best steward of this body that I have. Um, and to get there, I know that I need to exercise or I need to eat, you know, make healthy food choices. So, that would drive them to go to the gym or, um, you know, go for a walk. And when those values you implement, you're going towards the solution. Um, it becomes habitual when that context becomes consistent over time. And so then eventually it's not a conscious thing. It becomes an unconscious habit, this healthy lifestyle, but you had to start from that values based, um, working towards the solution instead of trying to um, engage your willpower and overcome the problem. Yeah, I, I agree with what Anna's saying. That uh, going back to Covey's book, he makes a brilliant um, observation about this process. That he he says that we we begin with the end in mind. So our values would be strongest if they're attached to a personal vision, a mission. And he Covey has this thing where you create your own personal mission statement. I mean you. You know, companies have mission and vision statements. And so if everything doesn't align with those values, they, they don't go there. 
This is who they are. This is what they're becoming. This is who they want to be known for. And so for me, if I, this is context, this is great context for me. This is the person I want to be. This person does not respond to life this way. And so my focus is not then on the problem, but the focus is on who I'm becoming. And this is what Covey is saying. There's no greater value. And he says the only value-driven choices are sustainable. So ultimately, for us to have a sustainable new habitual response to life, to me, it's, it's, it's spiritual. It has to be. There has to be a connecting to a greater vision and something that's far greater than just myself. Um, that gives a meaning and purpose to my new behaviors other than just, I don't do that bad stuff anymore. Well, well, you know, in, in AA, they refer to if you sober up a drunken horse thief, they say you still have a sober horse thief. They haven't changed. They're just not drinking. And I think about that. I don't want to be a sober horse thief. I want to be a new person who responds completely different to life because of the values of the person I want to be, especially with Christ for me. That then carries me through to the choices I make. And that becomes the greatest context for which I'm now making choices and decisions. I don't know if that's helpful. But I found that in 25 years of working in recovery, that only value-driven choices are sustainable. And yeah. this is what Covey's talking Being aware about. of our choices and do they line up with who we, who we value that we want to be. And that's what Covey's saying. That is what drives us. So the focus isn't on the problem. The focus is on who I am becoming in Christ. Would you, would you both say that when we're unconscious, we have no values that are, are guiding us and driving us? Like that's the ultimate definition of being unconscious. We're just kind of aimlessly yeah. yes. wandering through life. But consciousness is about defining what really matters. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that maybe that's another way to think about it. Yeah. You know, I think that's what Covey talks about, how important it is you have your, your personal mission statement. This is what I value. These are the principles. And he talks so much about principles. I know he didn't talk about it in this chapter, but principles, he says, are just laws. These are, And he really values the principles, especially with God, honesty, truth, integrity, care. You know, if these things are driving me, well, then my choices will respond that way. And anything that contradicts that um, is going to create conflict for me. And conflict is a good thing. When I start having conflict over choices I'm making, that is a great sign. That's not what I want to do. That's not mm-hmm. what I value. The person I really believe that I am, they would not respond that way. Mm-hmm. So you, uh, obviously it's about making the unconscious conscious. Mm-hmm. And you quoted Carl Jung uh, in here once said, until you make the unconscious conscious, it will direct your life and you will call it fate. That's kind of the unconscious just aimlessly and going, well, that was just the way it was supposed to be. Um, right. What does that, what does that quote mean to you guys? Until you make the conscious unconscious, it will direct your life and you'll just call it fate. Yeah. I think it all boils down to paying attention. We have this one wild, precious life and are we spending it the way we want to spend it? Are we becoming who we want to become? Are we, showing up in the world the way that we want to be remembered. Are we making the world a better place? Um, and if you're just kind of floating through life and letting life toss you where it goes, which it will, I mean, life is full of bumps and bruises, but, um, 
being conscious about how we respond to those things um, and what we do have control over and how we can show up in the world differently maybe than we always have. That's when true change and transformation comes. You guys are talking about spiritual wokeness. <laughs> and we have political wokeness that's like dominating our culture right now. We're talking about spiritually right. awakening and, and to personal like yeah, the fruitfulness of our yes. lives and and are they really how we leading? show up how we show up in this world in every aspect. I think that what we talked about in our last podcast and what we're talking about today is uh what I was thinking about is um Anne Voskamp has a book called The Broken Way. And she has this one quote that she she runs through the whole book and she starts from and if you read it you hear about her childhood and things that happened but she says what do you do with this one broken heart hmm. what do you do with this one broken heart because the reality is life is going to is sometime some way it is inevitable it's going to break your heart and and so what she shows in her book is that that's she believes the fertile soil for God to grow something beautiful out of that. Because she bases the whole thing on, she grew up on a farm and, you know, a seed goes in the ground and it actually dies and breaks open and it, mm. it grows into something. And so could it be through the things that break our hearts that our greatest growth, we have the opportunity to grow? I think it, that's what we talked a little bit about last week, but just again, that that response to the inevitability of our human condition, I can choose how I respond. And like Anna was saying, if I'm aware of how I've been responding, and that's not who I want to be. Uh, this, this, the person I believe that I'm growing into, and that's why I think growth is so hopeful for all the listeners. This is not a perfect process, but just being aware that, you know what? Life has broken my heart many times in many places from my childhood even if i had a decent decent childhood still i guarantee you there's been heartbreak in it life will break our hearts and what do i do with this one broken heart how i choose to respond the growth using it as a gift making my life matter growing into the best version of me that there can be that i don't know that's a whole different context of hope then yeah. when it is tied to, well, my circumstances will work out this way, the odds are they're not going to. And we can't control them, but my hope is in of what I'm going to grow into and how I'm going to use this one broken heart. And uh, that is the response that I, I value. Mm -hmm. And I hear in that uh, brokenness is openness. Ooh. It is. Yeah, it is. and that's a completely different way of thinking about, about hope. Um, so yeah, when our hearts are broken, we can, the context would be, I'm more open than I've ever been for good. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, that's a beautiful, I, I love that line. Who, 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 who said, who, where'd you read that? Ann Voskamp, okay. her book, The Broken Way, one of my favorite books of all time. Um, and that's her whole theme through the whole book that we can choose to grow from that something beautiful that could have never been born really otherwise or grown. Um, and that is a completely significant paradigm shift than looking at life from, it didn't work out the way I wanted it to, screw it, I'm gonna just distract myself with all this stuff um, and versus I'm gonna use this for good. 
I'm going to use this for good. And we've seen that over and over again in groups. Actually, this last week, I think we were wrapping up a group and one of our participants had said something um, poignant about like, I just didn't know that like showing up here and having a space to just be like where people could see my brokenness as opposed to my wholeness and how it connects you on such a much more deep and intimate level with other people. Um, it It's really a gift. It doesn't always feel like that when we're in the midst of difficult circumstances, but if we can see the potential that it has to connect us with other people in a way that um, maybe just a life of ease would not. Yeah. If, if, if the listeners can and really hear this, I think from us today is that this paradigm shift of this context of looking at whatever it is that has broken your heart, that it could actually be a gift. And, and we choose that response based mm-hmm. on what we really value the most. Uh, I want my life to matter. So that, what am I going to do with this one broken heart? I'm going to use it. I'm mm-hmm. going to use it as a blessing to others. Um, that will give me the ability to not have these old dysfunctional responses, the old habitual ways I've dealt with it. Because I'm not running away anymore. I'm embracing mm. it. I'm embracing it. And that's what Nalan talks about, you know, that hope is growing on the very ground that I'm standing. And so what is the hope? That there's meaning and purpose behind everything that's happened in my life. And I have the ability to choose how I'm going to respond to that. That is the paradigm shift that makes life. You know how I know that's true? And you listeners, I know if you listen to Scott and Anna, and so much of what they say resonates with you, it's because they are two people that know how to use a broken heart. Not only to uh, become better human beings, but to share those with, with others. And that's why we're inspired by your words and your honesty and your vulnerability. I want to ask you guys this. Uh, we must get good at recognizing when the brain wakes up and pays attention. And Scott, to what we're talking about, when the heart wakes up Ooh. and pays attention. So the brain and the heart. Have you ever had a feeling that you shrugged off but later realized it was a precious moment of possibility that you missed because you ignored it? So what you guys are talking about is the kind of consciousness that pays attention so we don't miss the good things, even in brokenness, even in challenge. Um, and Scott, those are your words. You, you wrote that. What exactly does that mean? To, to wake up our brains and our hearts and to pay attention and, and to not shrug off precious moments that we could be missing because we're ignoring it. Well, that's, uh, I'm glad I wrote that. <laughs> <laughs> because it is a, it's the most difficult place of honesty if we really want to reflect on that. Um, God is constantly, I believe, trying to get me to be paying attention to what I need to be paying attention to. And sometimes, if not a lot of times, I'm so distracted by trying to fix what I don't want to feel, what I don't want to, I want circumstances not to be the way that they are. Mm. And that's where I am right now in my life. This is the most difficult season I've ever had in my life. And so I can either run away from it and not pay attention to all the gifts it actually provides. 
or I can embrace those gifts with God saying, and, and I feel like God is saying, I know this hurts. I know I am grieving in this with you. I know your heart is broken. Can you see this from my perspective of what I would want you to learn and grow into? This could actually make you even a better man. Or I can run away from that. And, and again, turn to just dysfunctional responses. Or resist it. Just resist it. I don't want to accept it. I want to somehow manipulate it and fix it versus embracing it. So um, that awareness, again, is the beginning of, I, I see, I see what you're saying, Lord. And I, I'm going to stop resisting. I'm going to embrace it with you. And I'm going to grow. Anna, the heart and the head waking up and not missing or shrugging off something that's guiding and, and helping. Um, I want to hear how you experience that. But I also want to ask you if you agree with Socrates, because he says this, awareness of ignorance is the beginning of wisdom. <laughs> so when we become aware of how unconscious we are, we're just beginning a meaningful journey. We're, we're on the beginning of hope and wisdom and a more healthy life. And, uh, but how, how do you experience it? I'm sure you like Scott and I, you've had times where you've ignored something and then later found out I should have listened <laughs> and I was too unconscious. Uh, yeah. What's that mean for you? Yeah. Well, I, I do like good old Socrates. We don't know what we don't know. And that's <laughs> true. And I, I think, uh, recognizing just with humility that we see just a sliver of what reality has to hold and we see from a very limited perspective so always reminding myself of that I feel like it's helpful to know you know when I'm hurting which um yeah like Scott I also am probably in the absolute most difficult time of my entire life um and just trying to um yield to that and find the lesson in it and not resist the pain um, but also to not let that define my entire existence to recognize that that's one of the like beautiful things about, um, our humanity is that joy and pain often coincide side by side simultaneously. And so, um, while I have a lot of really big uncertainties and really difficult circumstances in my life right now that have, no uh, foreseeable solution. I also know that that doesn't define my entire existence mm. and that uh, in the midst of that deep pain, there is still joy to be found and experienced and love to be shared. Um, and yeah, just trying to find the lesson and grow from that. That's um, that requires consciousness and paying attention. So I am trying to pay attention with all my might and mm. um, yeah, see what life has to teach me. Friends, thank you for joining us uh, here today. And I just, I want to end with kind of what became the essence of what we talked about. And it's that good things can emerge out of a broken heart that becomes open and aware and conscious and uh, we can't get there alone. Every one of us uh, has a different path that we're on, but we're on the same human journey. 
and we're traveling, but no one has to do this alone. And that's why Restore is here. That's why Scott and Anna do these groups. So you can visit us online at Restore Small Groups to learn more about online and in-person groups that you can join. But over every mountain, there is a path and the future rewards those who discover it and press on. Stay on the path, friends, and have a good one.